0: This week, we're joined by the drag artist inspired by Bad Bunny and Daddy
1: Yankee, Miami's own Bad Poppy. Like a sparrow building shelter with branches for its young. My mother built a nest with love for her little ones. My grandfather told her, doesn't matter what you have, the only thing you need for life is each other's helping hands. Nevertheless, Empty nest, my mother always says. Spread your wings and fly. You can always come back to rest. Never the empty nest, my mother always says. Wherever you may go, the this will always be your home.
2: Hello everybody, and welcome to another episode of Never the Empty Nest. I'm Vanessa. I'm Jackie.
0: And I'm Nicole.
2: And we have a super exciting guest today, Amelia Leon, AKA Bad Papi. And we are super happy to have them on. Um, hi, Amelia. Hey, how are you? Super happy to have you on the show.
3: Super happy to be here.
2: yoo Yay. It's been a second since we all got together, so lots has happened. But my, my mom's face is uh, un poema, as we say in Spanish. My news, I'm going to say real fast, is I got a dog. So now I've joined my sister in the dog land, but mine's a corgi like the queen, and he's the best. And his name is Stormcloud, and I'll say one story, and then I'm
4: passing it on to all you all. This is the woman who didn't want dogs. That's true. (laughs) All of this is true. Uh, And now sleeps with her dog. Yes. Mm -hmm. And my mom's
2: phone is going off. So Stormcloud... We're walking him yesterday and he like runs into this little girl and he's so excited. And the little girl's like, oh, my God, I love I love this dog. And the mom's like, oh, my God. And it's like, you know, these these people are like magnets and, and faded to this dog. Right. And then she goes, what's his name? And I go, Stormcloud. And she goes, oh, my God, mine is summer rain. <laughs> no way. And I was like, that's the best shit I've ever heard. Like, that is amazing. I can't even believe it. Yes. Yes, I literally can't get over it. But
4: how was your day, Mom? My day is great. A little stressful. I've had to be in different places and meeting uh, different back-to-back deadlines. And uh, my mom doesn't sleep at night. I think that's the worst part. And she's been falling. And
2: she looks like a raccoon because she fell and she has a bruise all over her face.
0: Poor mamang fell on her face. Mm-hmm and
2: um amelia our grandmother's 90 years old we talk about her on the show sometimes um
0: (laughs) but nikki my day has been fine my week has been fine uh nothing crazy i am spending like some nice quality time now that the kids are both at school and jonathan usually at this time has a break between seasons when he's uh of shows that he's writing so he's was like off for a month so we're like going for a hike and breakfast and it's been like really nice yeah we haven't done any i didn't do anything today but it's what i've seen your instagram i'm like geez
2: you're like living in brunch land it's amazing i'm like what (laughs) uh it's pretty cool
0: i know because we never jonathan and i don't go anywhere how are you amelia how's your day week month year not
2: that this is friends but you know (laughs)
3: It's been going. I mean, lately I've been having to get accustomed to a broken leg, Um, life on a broken leg. (laughs) So yeah, I broke it on my last performance. Um, (laughs) So you could say it ended with a bang. (laughs) And yeah, so I've been wheelchair chairing to places, crutching, scootering, all the work. So I've been getting accustomed to life on wheels, basically. Wow!
2: So I'm gonna say for everyone that you are uh, a drag performer, and your last performance must have been pretty amazing. (laughs) If it ended up in a broken leg,
3: well, you know, somebody told me to break a leg, and I just took it literally. So you know,
2: (laughs) that's
4: awesome.
2: (laughs) What happened? Did you did you fall during the performance, or
3: yeah, I fell during the performance. I think the worst part of it was that I did not get to finish my performance. Oh. That was like the saddest part. And, like, um, it's kind of funny because, like when i when I told my mentor that, like the worst part was that, like I didn't get to like you know, finish my performance, she was like, "Oh, what it's like to be young? <laughs> <laughs> That's
2: adorable. I love that, so. Amelia, we're super excited that that you're here to talk to us and for a million reasons. You're a drag performer, you have an amazing story, you also come from a Cuban family and have a lot of different nests to talk about with us today. So, I wanted to ask you the first question, which is how did you become Bad Poppy?
3: Yeah, for sure. My journey started in 2019, fall of 2019. Um after I had just recently exited out of uh, an abusive relationship and I was like going through a really like rough patch in my life I, you know I didn't really want to do much like honestly like I was actually graduating in that at that time as well from FIU worlds ahead in biology um, <laughs> and I honestly was about to not even go to my graduation honestly that's like how bad it was after having some time to myself where like I just slept because sleep is um can be healing and therapeutic like half asleep i literally shot out of my bed and i was like oh my gosh i want to be a drag artist it just like came to me like literally half asleep in a dream that's how like most of my ideas come not gonna lie and i started thinking about like okay like what kind of like drag do i want to be what do, what do i want out of this art and i started thinking about like my identity and how intersectional it is because you know i am i'm queer at the time i didn't know but I, i'm trans too and um i'm also latin so i started thinking about it and then i don't know why but i was thinking of like bad bunny and stuff like that and daddy yankee and stuff and then like i was like huh i want to be bad Poppy. because like i love bad bunny like honestly he's he's, he's my icon like he's, the best. he's literally a badass like yeah he challenges gender norms and and gender expression specifically in the men population even though he d- himself doesn't identify as trans like he's literally breaking boundaries i mean the fact that he literally like wears acrylics he's wearing dresses he's, he's doing all this stuff and he supports trans rights in Puerto Rico like you can't get any more badass than that like yeah. so yeah. that's why i kind of like wanted my drag to kind of aspire after like a pro trans like um artist like
2: Bad Bunny. So that's why I kind of use Bad poppy. I love Bad Bunny out of Puerto Rico and Bad poppy out of Miami. That's amazing. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. It is. Yes. We had a, a conversation earlier about, because, you know, like we were talking about what nests are like outside of the, the family nest, you know? And we were talking about how the process of becoming a drag artist and like all the things that you had to learn and, you know, like certain, like you just were talking about your mentor. Um, and and then we talked about you. Can you talk a little bit about that nest and what that was like to 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 learn? You know, from scratch. It seems because you you just made this decision and then jumped in.
3: I always assumed that drag was just drag queen. like you know, like RuPaul's Drag Race. How it's always like you know, mm-hmm. like kind of like what RuPaul does. Just drag queens, you know. And then I went to California the summer of 2019. And I I saw my very first drag king show in my life. And I was just like, holy crap. And, like, it made me feel things that I didn't think I could feel in a performance, you know? (laughs) Like, it was just so, like, exhilarating, sexy. Like, that really inspired me to start my drag. I literally just Googled how to become a drag king. (laughs) And... I saw some YouTube videos and I learned how to do my beard. I learned how to like do the makeup, the what's called like the the devil's horn makeup. So I, I literally just started from scratch and saw YouTube videos. And then eventually I got booked for my very first performance in the villain theater and it was to fundraise for King Fem top surgery. During that performance, I was backstage and I saw all these other drag performers. And it was, like, a room full of, like, drag kings and drag things and drag everything, you know? And it was, like, one of the first times that, like, I really felt, like, I don't know, a sense of belonging because mm-hmm. it really felt like home, like family, you know? And, like, I remember King Fem coming up to me and saying, like, because he saw that I was, like, taping my my chest down, as um, mm-hmm. drag artist do. And he, he came to me and he was like, you know, you look fabulous and you look great. However I would recommend you get a binder because eventually after so much binding of your chest, it could um, damage yeah. your, your airways, like your 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 chest, like stuff like that. So after that, like literally I got my first binder mm-hmm. and it was because of like kingdom and I'm like so grateful for it because like that binder is like magnificent so.
2: And for those that don't know what's the difference between a binder and taping?
3: Yeah, so taping. Well, I, I did it with duct tape, which is very dangerous. You shouldn't do that. You should. Oh,
2: oh, oh my God!
3: Usually, people do it with um, what's considered like trans tape. Like it's a different form of tape, not duct tape, mm-hmm. that you use to kind of like tape down your chest. Mm-hmm. And then a binder is kind of like, kind of like a bra, but it's not really a bra. It's it's more like a compression to like compress your your chest, but in a safer way. So, yeah, that was like the first time that I even realized like what I was doing wasn't necessarily the safest way. Some trans people, they don't have those options. Like it's not like every trans person has the opportunity to get trans tape and or binder. Mm -hmm. So um, we also have to be mindful of that. But if you can, it's definitely recommended because it's better for your health.
2: Yeah, that's so important. I mean, you know, these learning curves for everything. I didn't know, you know, when we had our first conversation I was like, wow, I would have done the same exact thing. You know, you put tape in (laughs) instead of uh knowing what that is. So um but I love that. I love the way that he came up to you and was like, um, hey, you're amazing. You're amazing, but also here's this suggestion. (laughs)
3: Yeah, the suggestion. (laughs) I mean that's that's what like us in the trans community do with each other. We literally we support each other, but we also help each other too and because we got to be looking out for each other because it's a dangerous, dangerous world out there.
2: Mm-hmm. You know? <laughs> yeah. How was it? Because uh, we talked about this also a little bit. Uh, you're 27? I'm 24, actually. Oh, my God. 24. 24. I'm a baby. I made up 27. <laughs> yeah. 24. A baby. A little baby. I was going to say, she's not 27. Yeah. <laughs> With a baby face. But you were saying you're still living at home and going to school. What are you studying?
3: I'm studying epidemiology in FIU. It's a master's that I'm pursuing. Super cool.
2: <laughs> what made you go into that?
3: You want to- yeah, so what made me go into that is my story, you know, my backstory of sexual violence. So um, I was first sexually violated when I was like around 14. Um, very young. And I've had many incidences of sexual violence in my life because of my Latin identity, but also because of my queer identity. Um, And so after my last incident, like I said, I went through a very rough, depressive episode. Um, I mean, I now have PTSD clinically diagnosed. It's been very rough for me. But I started thinking about what I could do to better this situation for me because like at that moment i felt so hopeless and vulnerable i just wanted to do something and like the thing that i was doing was i was trying to bring justice to myself by basically focusing on the perpetrator so i tried going to the police i went to the rape center i did basically everything that you can do in order to quote unquote get justice even though like i knew that most likely nothing would be would happen I still wanted to do it because I was just so angry and I wanted some sort of justice for myself. And therefore, I focused on the perpetrator and what he had done to me. Instead of finding healing for myself, I found a lot of torment and like barriers (laughs) towards um, that, that basically prevented me from growing in the first place, you know. And after I started realizing that, like, me putting all this energy on the perpetrator when nothing was going to happen, when, like, people weren't listening, when nobody believed me, like, that was a waste of my time, I decided that I wanted to seek justice in a different way that was well worth my time, and that not only sought justice for myself, but for everyone in the queer community. How can I I relate sexual violence to what I want to do, which is health? I, I wanted to go into health. And... I realized that the way to do it is to study public health. And I especially wanted to reform the healthcare system because what I had gone through when I went to the rape center was something that I can't even begin to tell you how wrong it was wrong. I don't want to give you any trauma porn or anything, but I can tell you that I was misgendered. I was violated again, re-traumatized. I was not believed. (laughs) And I was Baker Acted, de paso, you know? And um, if you don't know what a Baker Act is, because um, Baker Acts are very specific to, like, you know, Southern states and whatnot, it's when you perceive someone to be, um, quote-unquote, mentally unstable, such as, you know, they show signs of suicide or they show signs of a really intense mental illness. They put you in this, basically, like, room and they keep you there for a day with nothing <laughs> it's like it's like even worse than prison because at least prison you get some time to go out you, you you like have your time to like you know do stuff I asked for a puzzle like I literally asked for a puzzle because like I I was so like I, it had just recently happened to me the the incident and I asked for a puzzle and I was like please like I need to get my mind off this can I just get a puzzle and they're like we don't allow pencils or paper here because you could hurt yourself you're just there (laughs) that's what happened and when I actually got yeah like when when I actually got to the psychiatrist he basically told me he had no idea what to do (laughs) because they don't know how to treat survivors apparently um so it was basically a waste of my time a waste of my money um which literally put me in three thousand dollars worth of debt and it was a horrifying experience. I honestly, like, I, and I kid you not when I say this, I think that was worse than the actual rape itself. I'm not going to lie. It's sad to say, but it, it's true. And that's exactly why I wanted to go into public health, into health in general, to reform that. Because I think that queer survivors deserve better.
4: Amelia, I think it's formidable, the way that you're processing your journey I'm sure we're gonna thank you at the end but I want to thank you now uh, I would like to know when what made you uh, which I think was a turning point for you uh, in your success and healing which was the the what made you decide enough with a perpetrator enough with the people who did this let me take care of me what was there anything? that that either happened or the thought process, or was it just that rude awakening that you told us that you just get up and you say, "Okay, this is what I'm gonna do."
3: Because
4: I believe in that too, by the way.
3: there There was definitely a breaking point for me because I had tried everything. I had reached out to police. I had reached out um to like the healthcare care providers, like when I went to the rape center. I had reached out to local nonprofits because I had speculated that um this particular case involved human trafficking. I had reached out to, like, I had reached out to, like, everyone. Everyone, everyone, like, in the community. Nobody wanted to take my case. I even called lawyers. And nobody wanted to take my case. And the reason why is because I was in a relationship with him. When you're in a relationship with someone, they can turn it around on you and say, like, well, he said, she said. And and we're in a point right now in society where... You're in a relationship, it's already consent. I mean, it's it was only in what, like the 80s or 90s that marital rape was considered illegal. You know, we're still processing the fact that just because you're in a relationship with someone does not mean consent. We're still processing what consent means and what consent doesn't mean in society right now. So therefore, I don't think anybody, wa- it was just too hard of a case for them. One of my friends, because I was, it, it was um it was a lot one of my friends actually went to the um, the ombudsman here in fiu because i wanted to file what's called a title nine report which is what you do in a college campus because the, the person who had done this to me was an fiu student and so therefore i could go through title IX and report i had asked my friend to do it because i was scared scared of this person and I had every right to be because he was involved in very, very bad groups, illegal groups, you know. So I asked them to go to the um abudsman and, and you know, on my behalf. And the abudsman basically did not take it seriously because I was not there. Because I wasn't there and which is sacrificing my safety. And then not only that, but then the healthcare system itself was also threw me over like right at that same like week. Yeah. Basically my psychiatrist um, prescribed me a pill, like a specific pill, right? For for my PTSD when when the pharmacy got it because I can't <laughs> see the, the pharmacy because it's not I'll, I'll get sued or whatever for a pharmacy. <laughs> we'll edit that out. <laughs> yeah. A pharmacy had to basically give me that medication. They gave me the wrong medication. They gave me an Alzheimer's medication. Oh my God. And I, like, you have no idea how it, it was like I was sick that entire week. Sick. Because I was one, not taking the antidepressant, which can cause withdrawal symptoms, and two, taking an Alzheimer's medication. Jeez. And by the, and when I, I was like, is this right? Like, is it so-and-so medication? And the doctor's like, stop taking that right now.
2: Oh, my God. This is like what you say all Mm -hmm. the time. You have to be proactive in all elements of healthcare. Like
4: This whole uh, exchange is, I think, is so important. Mm -hmm. And this reveals so many sores in our society that need to be dealt with. But I think that you'll hear people say, this generation or this decade or this century is worse and worse. And I, what I think is, because I get sad and frustrated, you know, we've been humans for such a long time, and when are we going to get it right? But I think that for the first time, it's coming to surface. It's, you know, it's it's out there. Como desnudarse. Como it's It's out there, it's naked, and now we have to face it. Mm -hmm. We have to face it. And I want to thank you keep doing what you're doing, because we have to learn.
3: Thank you. I really appreciate those words.
4: (laughs) I think that with with what she just
2: said, the best thing to to talk about before we head out is is what you're doing now with queer fest and tell us a little bit about that. Because that seems amazing. Yeah, for
3: sure. Queer fest is actually a festival that we're doing for our queer survivor community queer survivors of sexual violence and it's the fund rate for our queer survivor grant we're do- hosting it through the reflect collective which is a non-profit in south florida that serves queer survivors of sexual violence and it's going to be a fantastic event we're going to have performers from all different artistic backgrounds all of them are going to be qt by poc which means trans, trans uh queer and by poc and a lot of them are also survivors themselves so we're going to have a great show we're also going to have black brew there who's this black owned company like that serves coffee but they're going to be serving like mocktails at our event because it's an 18 plus event we're going to have an hiv testing from can community we're going to have giveaways we're also going to have a queer survivor art exhibit where queer survivors will be showcasing their art and we're also going to have on-site therapy in case anybody is you know needs to ground themselves is triggered um, and a sensory space for those who just need to ground themselves during the event, because we are going to be touching upon very, very heavy subjects. Yep. So, um, yeah. So, yeah. It, so it's going to be like a fantastic event. And all, yeah. all every every single penny goes to the Queer Survivor Grant, which goes directly to queer survivors to pay for the cost of um, sexual assault because um, sexual assault costs one hundred twenty two thousand per lifetime. Wow. It's all in the numbers. I, I've seen the studies. It's very expensive. And so we want to help um, queer survivors specifically because they're the most at risk with this so that they can pay for whatever it is they need and, and keep on thriving.
2: That's amazing. Can you tell everybody where to find you if they want to search for you or find out more about Queer um, Queerfest or any of the, the things that you've been telling us about? Just give us some, some spaces to look.
3: Absolutely. So they can find us at reflect co which is um our instagram they could also find us on our website www oh sorry it's at reflect co underscore okay don't forget the underscore <laughs> um <laughs> we're also doing website which is www.reflectcollective.org or you could also email us um the reflect collective at gmail.com amazing We also have our Eventbrite site. So if you literally Google um, Queer Fest Eventbrite, we're literally the first ones to pop up.
2: Cool. And you are at Bad Papi on Instagram? You yourself? Yes.
3: I am at Bad Papi Miami uh, on IG.
2: Amazing. Well, thank you so much for being here. This has been an amazing, wonderful conversation. Super enlightening. I hope that that people are listening. eye-opening. Yeah. Really, really grateful for it. So thank you so much for for joining our nest today. Of
0: course. It's just a very vulnerable uh, thing to share publicly trauma, personal trauma. Um, And it's a brave thing to do. And and the the fact that you feel the need to do that to help others with this horrific problem we have in society, it's really, really, um, I just want to thank you and applaud you for talking to us and for doing what you're doing um, good luck with everything and <laughs> we'll keep following you I already added you to my insta thank you so much <laughs> bad papi Miami thank you so much and we'll talk soon see you next time
2: on never the emptiness
1: bye she says all the great things ahead. had I'll be here when it's time to see you again And if you fall, she says, if someone breaks your heart I'll mend your wounds in this nest of ours till you're ready to die